I've removed mine completely. I have. Can I borrow someone's? Can I borrow someone's prayer room sheet? Ah, excellent. Thank you. All right, Brad, any update on, on your mom? This week? All right. Surgery Thursday of this week. Let's keep her in prayers. Elnora Caleb. Also, you can, uh, uh, Dorothy is in room 5207 at St. Francis. It's on the specialty hospital floor. And uh, she's, from last week to this week, a remarkable recovery uh, happening in her. And, and so I would encourage you to continue to pray for them. Uh, they're trying now. The biggest issue now is to get her throat to heal so she could take nourishment by mouth. Uh, they may have to insert a feeding tube just to get her some nourishment. She hasn't eaten solid food in 40-plus days. So uh, be praying for her and uh, that her strength recovers. But, uh, my goodness, what a, what a remarkable uh, recovery she's making. So keep her in your prayers. And uh, I would add to our list uh, Belle Hartsock and the Hartsock family. Uh, her husband, Bill, passed away uh, just about a week or so ago. And uh, they're visiting with us this morning, <clears throat> and uh, just would encourage you to keep that family lifted up in prayer at their time of loss. Uh, is there anyone else we need to mention uh, this uh, this morning? Yes. That was her brother that passed away. Okay. Mary Wells' brother, that's Don's mother. Let's keep her in your prayers. Anyone else? All right. If you would, take the hand of the one closest to you. you got to reach over or, or behind or around. We want everybody to at least have a special touch from the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. I pray especially for these that have been mentioned and are on our list. Uh, Elnor Caleb, would you uh, guide the doctor's hands as they begin the task of surgery this week on her. And Father, would that be successful so she can have sight restored uh, in that eye where she has lost it. <clears throat> and I pray, Father, that you will just uh, uh, touch her in a very, very special way. Uh, thank you for Dorothy Branstadter and Ralph and the example that, that he has been uh, in her life. And I thank you that you have uh, touched her in a way that she's been able to show a, a steady improvement. And just pray that that will continue. Uh, Father, be with Jim and Janice Llewellyn today as they visit with their son, Scott, who's incarcerated. Uh, this is the only day of visitation that they're allowed. And so I pray, Father, you'll guide them and give them a, a special time as they visit with him. And, uh, Lord, would you just continue to touch those that are on our list. Uh, be with uh, Mary Wells and the family at the loss of her brother. And pray, Father, a very special touch in their life for Belle and, and her children and for their family at the, their loss as well. And, Father, would you uh, just uh, keep a comforting hand upon them and around them. And, Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Uh, and sometimes we're not very lovely. So I thank you that you have chosen to love us in spite of who we are and what we are. And, Father, we just ask you now to be in our presence and to be in our midst and to do in each of our hearts what you need to do in your very special way. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen and amen. You have your Bibles, hold them up, and uh, Brother Ed's got some Bible books. And, uh, <laughs>
did, we did the kids, but we're not doing the adults, right? If, you, if they want a Bible buck, they can come get it, right? <laughs> He'll be in the back with extra Bible bucks. There we go. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. So, Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. Give a high five or pound your neighbor next to you there. Let them encourage them. That's right. We're going to be looking in Romans 7 shortly. So if you want to turn to that, you can. And the, we're in our series on life. Uh, we're almost finished. We're down to the next to the last lesson. Why is it so hard to do the right thing? Most of these messages are online on our website, uh, www.rocchurch.org. And uh, you'll go to the online features, and it says listen to sermons, and it'll, it'll bring these up. You click on the title, and you can listen to the message. Not that you may want to do that, but if you do, they're there. We want you to know that. Our website, we're trying to make it very interactive. We want you to get to the website for calendar information, for update information. It's all right there. So newsletter, we put our newsletter there. We do print hard copies of it, and our uh, latest uh, October newsletter is still on the table by the front door, so if you don't have uh, computer access, you can get to that, okay? All right. We're going to uh, talk this morning about why is it so hard to do the right thing? Why is it so hard to do the right thing? At times, we all struggle with doing the right thing. I, I think it's part of just being human. Would you say amen? And I think once you become a Christ follower that struggle uh, becomes even more acute. And uh, one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that we can read about our heroes in the Bible and we find that they struggled equally as well as you and I struggle. And I want to read something this morning as we begin in Romans chapter 7 that Paul wrote himself. And I'm not sure that there's anybody else in the Scripture who... God ordained or anointed more than Paul, and he was one of those champions, one of those greats that you read about in the Bible, literally gave all of his life and his very life for telling others about Christ. Let's take a look at this passage. I think we have it up here uh, on the front. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it any, anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and gets the better of me every time. Isn't that put in such a great way? It's like that bag of Tootsie Rolls and a sprig of broccoli. Every time that bag of Tootsie Rolls will win. At least in my struggle in life. I'm just not great on broccoli. As much as it's more healthy for me than Tootsie Rolls. I just have to believe that the chocolate value of that, of that Tootsie Roll has got to have some additional help for my body. 
At least that's a good justification, isn't it? Why is it so hard to do what's right? Paul himself is struggling. He's telling us, the thing I want to do is what I find myself not doing. And, and, and it's, he says, he says my, I'm being sabotaged from within. I love the way that's phrased. I'm being sabotaged. Can you believe that Paul himself would not be able to keep it all together, would, would have struggle doing that? Even if you've given your heart to Christ, there are no guarantees that you will be perfect from now on. You're going to make mistakes. And what you have to understand is it's going to be okay if you make them because God's got your bases covered. Because that's just the way He loves us and cares about us. And I would be pretty safe in saying that everybody in this room is probably to Christ at one time or another. I love that phrase that you hear out of Las Vegas, what happens in what happens here stays here. And what that basically is saying is that if you come to Vegas, there are no consequences. But you and I know as well as anybody else that there are consequences. Amen? Every action you do, every decision you make, there is a residual consequence, good or bad. And one or the other is going to happen. But as you experience life as a follower of Christ, I know in my own life I find I, I do some very shocking things. I find myself not doing the right things. Uh, I mess up. Sometimes I will say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I lose my temper. Sometimes I get to thinking, who in the world are you after those incidents? And then I remember that I know better than that and I should act better than that, but I'm not able to do it at that particular moment. So is Satan taking over my life at that point? No, it means I'm still a work in progress. Amen? I'm still a work in progress. Because there seems to be constant tension between my spiritual nature and my fleshly nature. But why is it so hard to do the right thing? Let me give you three or four reasons. Reason number one. Sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes we just don't want to do the right thing. Understand something, that doing the right thing usually is not very easy. In fact, doing the wrong thing comes much more naturally for all of us. Often we give in to the pleasure of that instant gratification and we endure the guilt and the consequences that follow rather than doing the right thing in the first place. The Bible teaches something about that. It's called original sin. It's the idea that we're born with a natural tendency to sin. And looking at an innocent little child, you might deny the existence of original sin, but if you wait just a little while, that little baby, that little child grows to be about two years old. And at the age of two, that nature, that sin nature begins to show up. What do we call them? The terrific twos? Not very often. It's usually those terrible twos and terrible threes and flub up fours, fickle fives, severe sixes. You got it. And when they turn teenagers, when there's the teen after their number, ugh. You got it. 
You know, some of you live with them. The Bible teaches us that we have inherited a sort of sin gene from our ancestor Adam. He got us started in this whole idea of sin. And uh, we have simply followed suit. But in the book of Romans, there's an explanation that's given to that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. In a nutshell, it says, Just as one person did it wrong and got us, all, uh, got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, He got us into life. Jesus came and took care of the issue. But there's a promise in that verse. Because the guy that got us out of trouble, as I said, is the Lord. James 4.1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Because you see, on this side of heaven, we're going to always struggle, aren't we? We're going to always struggle. Husband and wives, parents and children, children and children. I was watching a couple of siblings the other day. They were just going at it, and the mom was just staring at them. And she looked at me, and she says, Do you have children? I said, well, they're grown. Well, did they act this way? I said, all the time. I never will forget when Jeff and Corey were just going at it and going at it and going at it. And finally, I said, I've had enough. I put them out in the backyard and I said, get after it. Jeff was a bit bigger than Corey. So he got the best of him. Corey grew up a little more. Jeff didn't want any more of him. (laughs) They're best of friends today. But you know, there's just that, I didn't know what else to do. I said, all right, you want to beat on each other? Get out here and just have at it. And Cindy was just as mad. As, I said, shut the door and you go hide in a room, put the pillow over your head so you can't hear them scream at each other. I don't think they were out there five minutes. But you know, that's what it takes sometimes, doesn't it? But they're still brothers and they still love each other. And that's what it's all about. We fight with each other sometimes, but we don't need to kill each other. And we need to remember that we should love each other. And care about each other. And whatever it is, the differences between us, we should work through those. Amen? That's what we should do. That's what God would want us to do. But I just want you to know that you're going to have struggles. We really, really are. Our desires and our battles are contained within us oftentimes. And they need to stay there. And they are constant. And they come all the time. Jesus once said in Luke 9, 23, that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If you're going to be a Christ follower, you've got to learn to deny yourself. And that's really tough in our culture that we live in. Because our culture is all about me, 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 and more of me. It's all about me. What am I going to get? What's in it for me? Why do we go to church? I'm looking for a church that's got something for me and my family. Instead of me finding a church where God could use me and my gifts and my skill set to help others walk the walk of God. That's what we should be looking for. But so often we sit back and look for the church and what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And we need to be careful about that. But denying ourselves is a tough thing to do. And that battle rages every day. And we have to admit, most of us, that we indulge ourselves more then we don't. In America, we have a growing problem. Several of them, as a matter of fact. One's obesity. We're bigger than we've ever been. Skyrocketing credit card debt. 
I still contend that the credit card companies are the uh, modern-day terrorists in America. Premarital and extramarital sex. You see, Christians, they used to abstain from that, but the same statistics run true within the church related to divorce and, and, and sexual problems as they do outside the church. So why should anybody want to come into the church when we're acting the same way they're acting out there? We impulse buy keeps companies afloat. They're already. It's not even Halloween. And they've already got Christmas displays up. Why? Because that's their biggest selling time of the year. Wouldn't it be great to not give them anything? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? But you know, I got a, I got a credit card application the other day. Just, I, I just got to share this with you. The credit card application the other day, and, and as you read through this, you, you, you would think they're doing me a tremendous favor. I mean, huge favor. Then you get down and said, and we have an introductory rate of 27.9%. I said, I, I looked at that and talked back to them, and I said, on what planet do you think I fell off of? Introductory rate of 27.9%. Is that not obscene? But I'm sure because they're willing to give you $10,000 on the spot that that's a lure for people. Amen? I got a shredder in my office. It gets, oh my, it gets worked all the time. Shredding, shredding, shredding. I wish I could shred more stuff. And in time I will. But it's amazing. It's amazing. TV. They put pizza on there and they're banking that you're going to sit there and watch that TV commercial about pizza and then quickly get on the phone and call one in to, to be brought out to you. Mazios will deliver 30 minutes or it's free. Is that, are they the ones that do that? Does any of them do that? <laughs> 30 minutes? <laughs> Takes them 30 minutes to cook it. We're just into this frenzy. How about tithing? Tithing is a, another indicator of what's going on in our, in our walk with God, our, our Christ relationship. Followers of Christ, they, they tithe. Well, for the most part. If we want to follow the Lord, we've got to understand that we are called to give everything, including our money. I heard a preacher's wife one time giving a testimony about tithing, and she said the reason most people have a difficulty in giving is that when they were baptized, they went under the water but left their pocketbook on high ground. <laughs> and that's what's wrong with some people, is that they forget that God owns it all. And when you sign on to the kingdom, you signed on to say, I'll give you everything including your money. But all he asks for is just 10% of it. He doesn't ask for 30, 40, 50. He says 10. Just 10%. When uh, uh, Steve Forbes was running for president a few years ago, he wanted a 10% flat tax. And I loved his phrase. He said, hey, if it's good enough for God, it ought to be good enough for America. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's go with it. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be Food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. See, the Lord challenges us to test Him on that particular issue. We're not supposed to test the Lord. But on this issue, He says, test me. He says, test me. He says, if you'll give me 10%, I'll guarantee you, you can, you can live on 90. I'll guarantee it. Uh, Janiel walked in at the early in the summer and just said, uh, preacher, I need to I need to tithe on on some money that I received. Wow, how exciting is that? Uh, we're, we're sitting in our chairs now because somebody tithed on a uh, windfall of money that they received. 
and they walked into the office and gave me a check uh, for 10% of that windfall. Wow. Praise God. That's neat that people still have that kind of relationship with people. A tithe is 10% of that income given to the local church. I heard a guy once say, hey, I love to listen to Christian radio, and, uh, and I want to give my tithe to that. And he was asking the preacher if that was okay, and the preacher said, well, you can give, you can give that money to that, but you really can't call it a tithe because the tithe comes to the Lord's house. Then if you want to give an offering over and above that, go right ahead. But without the tithes and the offerings of God's people in this place, we can't do what we've been doing. I, I look at our mission board, and I still get excited about the building we built in India, wouldn't it be fun to do that again? Why don't, we do, why don't we raise enough money to build another one? I still want to put the, the, the buildings out back that we can do food and clothing out of for the community here in Jinx. It's going to cost us some money to do that. We're going to get this project done, and we'll be ready for another one. So don't, don't give up. Don't, give up don't, give, don't quit giving. <laughs> Keep giving. God's got great blessings for this church, and the more you give, the greater the blessing. Have you discovered that in your life? The greater the blessing as you give. And the thing I love about our particular church is that we are blessed with folks in this fellowship who understand that. Week in and week out, you are faithful in your giving. Week in and week out, you make sure check is there. If you're in the town, you either, you either bring it by or you make it up and send it in later after you get back. Grateful for folks like you. Continue to practice that. God bless you. Because tithing is a spiritual act of worship. It is saying, God, I believe that you have provided the things I, that I have, and I thank you for these things. It's saying, because I trust you and believe you, I will give you this 10% as an indicator of that trust. Just trust him. Just trust him. And sometimes we do the right thing just because we don't. Uh, sometimes we don't do the right thing because we don't want to. And secondly, we position ourselves for failure. An old boy from Kentucky moved away and made his fortune, and when he retired, he returned home to spend the rest of his years hunting and fishing and to build his retirement home. For the job, he hired a local carpenter. The retiree explained, I've got the plans right here. Uh, you can read a blueprint, can't you? Oh, yeah, I can read blueprints, said the carpenter, rolling up, uh, unrolling the plans. And I see a big mistake already. You can't build this house like this. I certainly can, said the retiree. These plans were drawn by the best architectural firm in, uh, in New York. I want you to follow them exactly or I'll find myself another contractor. Your funeral, the carpenter shrugged. But I'm warning you right off, the bathroom is going to end up on the inside. Some of you may wake up shortly and catch up with that one. Sometimes we position ourselves for failure. When Jesus taught his followers how to pray, he included the line, Let us lead us not into temptation. And that expression seems to imply that God is the one that steers us either toward temptation or away from it. And you know something? When I find myself facing temptation, it's almost always my own steering that's gotten me there. In fact, lead us not into temptation is probably better translated, help us not to yield to temptation. Because I steer myself more often than not into those areas of temptation. James 1 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Ran across a great story about a preacher down in Fort Worth, Texas. He was heading off to uh, uh, church work one evening, 
and it was raining real heavy and hadn't it had been for a couple of days and something that this preacher had not experienced while in Fort Worth up to that point but innocently headed out anyway well the first uh, the first time that he saw the water over the road he decided that he uh, it couldn't be very deep he drove right into it as the car lost traction and began to drift sideways toward the ditch which he remembered was 10 to 15 feet deep he began to panic Fortunately, the car didn't stall, and he kept pushing in on, in on the gas. He could hear the wheels turning. They just weren't touching anything. He rolled down all the windows, planned his escape. It was just about then that he regained traction. But I want, you to, I want you to listen to the rest of the story. After he made it out of that predicament, he headed on toward uh, work and in, encountered another water-covered road. Guess what he did? Drove right into it. That's right. The water washed over the hood, and then he realized that he had made another mistake. He was quoted as saying, listen to this, sometimes I make it incredibly evident that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> the point to me is this from that story is that he got himself into that situation just as soon as God had delivered him from another. Seems like we do the same thing. There's a quirky verse that's in Proverbs that sometimes fits. Proverbs 26.11, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Sometimes we do the same thing over and over and over because we refuse to change. We refuse to stop. We refuse to yield. There's some great instruction in 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, flee from youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. When you play with fire, you're eventually going to get burned. There were two guys working for the gas company going down the alley reading the meters and one of the employees was a bit younger than the other and the younger one kept reminding the older man of his age and how old he was. So one day after finishing reading the meters, the old man said he'd had enough. So he challenged the young buck uh, to put his money where his mouth was and he challenged him to, 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 to race him back to the truck. So they took off running down the alley. About halfway down the alley, they heard something behind them and they turned to see a woman in her apron barreling down toward them. So they stopped and they asked her what she was doing. She said, well, whenever I see two gas meter guys running away from my house, I figure it's, it's time for me to get out of there too. <laughs> That's the feeling behind the word flee. Get out of that temptation area. If you're tempted to flirt with someone at work, avoid them. If you're tempted to eat more than you should, don't go to the all-you-can-eat buffets. Why go into a buffet and say, boy, I'm really struggling with my diet? Well, get out of there. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Go get some broccoli. <laughs> some people say, well, I, I, just can't, I just can't whip it. I just can't whip it, preacher. I share with you 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but remember that the temptations that you come uh, into in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Every time I've sinned in overeating, I've always thought before I started eating about the right thing to do. Every time. Hasn't been a time I haven't done that. But then I go ahead. I go ahead and I say, well, I'm here. I'm already in the midst of the sin. So I might as well just go ahead and give in. Or I could have gotten up and just walked out and said, nah, not for me. Oh, but you've already paid. That's right. So never eat someplace like that alone. Eat with a friend who knows your struggle and will help you eat the right thing. You can eat the right things at a buffet. Sure you can. Sure you can. 
You don't have to eat all the fried food. You don't have to eat all the barbecue ribs soaked in barbecue sauce. So I'm getting you all ready because it's almost lunchtime, amen. But if you know you're going to be in a position that causes you to be tempted, pray about a way out. Lord, I, I work with this person and I'm really struggling with them. Help me, Lord, to get past this. Help me, Lord, to not have to deal with them. You've got to be able to flee from those temptations. First uh, Timothy 6.11 says, Turn away from all these sinful things. Work at being right with God. Live a godlike life. Have faith and love. Be willing to wait. See, oftentimes we get in such a hurry, we think we've got to have it now, 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 now. Just wait. Just wait. I love watching running backs. Play. I love the game of football. I'm sure you know that. But I love it for a lot of reasons. But one of the one of the is a quality running back who doesn't just hit the hole right now. He, he may run along the line, and then he'll see that opening, and then, boop, and make that cut. He just comes along and waits. He's patient, he's patient, he's patient. And just before he's going to run out of bounds, he can turn up field and make a few yards. Or there's those quarterbacks, that, or there's those running backs that go, by golly, I'm God's gift of running backs, and here we go. And they hand him the ball, he runs in, he hits, you know, Corey Doris's, and he doesn't go very far. But you've got, to, you've got to be patient. And sometimes in life you've got to be patient. Reason number three, often we don't listen to our guide. God has given us the Holy Spirit. He is our guide. Our consciences help us discern the difference between right and wrong. If your conscience begins to prick you, stop it. <laughs> don't do it. One of my children says, my moral compass kicked in. Good, good, good. Amen. We need that. All of us need it. And when it kicks in, respond to it. Jesus said when the Helper, the Holy Spirit comes, He will show the world the truth about sin. He will show the world about being right with God. And He will show the world what it is to be guilty. In John 16 and verse 8. The closer a person walks with God, the more aware of the sin in their life they are. It's like finding weeds in your yard and pulling them up before they overtake the yard. You ever, When you were a kid, you ever walked through the yard and picked up those uh, briars, those stickers. St oh, man, they hurt. Well, I quickly get back out there and find those little little beggars and start pulling them up and throwing them out of the way because I don't want to walk out there and catch them again because they hurt. And our consciences are there. Our conscience is there through the Holy Spirit's prompting to get us to remember where we're going and why we're not supposed to be where we are. Reason number four and the last one is the cleanup job isn't finished yet. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, that we're to be perfect, therefore, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And that's an awfully high standard to, for us to obtain, and, 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 the, and the bar's been raised extremely high. Honestly, I, I'm not sure that any of us could ever reach that perfection on this side of glory. You might say, well, preacher, that's kind of pessimistic. Well, I'm being real. I'm being real. Because, you see, we are always a work in progress. We are always a work in progress. Our job as followers of Christ is to strive for that perfection, to reach for that bar that's been set high. That is our job. That is our role. That is our calling. But it is a difficult one. It is a daunting one. Millard Erickson said, The standard for is the complete freedom from sin. It's like being guided by the North Star. No one's ever reached it. People still press toward it. 
Romans 6, 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Our job is to strive for perfection. Our job is to flee from temptation. As the worship team comes to help me close, let me remind you that we are a work in progress. You and I are works in progress. You and I have not obtained it yet. You and I are still have feet of clay. You and I have a human gene that runs through us that is by nature a sinful gene. And we must struggle and we must battle. As the Apostle Paul so clearly put it, the war rages on within us. To do good, to do bad, to do right, to do wrong, the battle will be there. It's who you lean toward the most to whether you see victory. If you're going to lean on your own strength and your own desires, failure will always come. But when you lean on the Lord and when you trust in the Lord and when you find the Lord and when you walk with the Lord and you deepen that relationship with the Lord, great things can happen. We're a work in progress. And when we make mistakes, it's not time to give up, to throw in the towel. It just simply means I need to put my feet back in front of me and start walking again. When you teach kids to ride a bike, they finally get it. They fall down, though, several times before they finally get it. Do they quit riding? No, they just get up and keep trying. It's not getting knocked down in life that's the, the, the thing to focus on. It's staying down that you shouldn't do. Get up. If you in your life this morning have made some horrendous mistakes, if you believe that God, you've got to make, you've got to clear up some things before God can ever really be able to forgive you and use you, I want to tell you, that's not true. God loves you where you are, warts and all, right now. And God has, through Jesus, made the provision to cover your sins. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with an inner struggle and why you can't do right and you can't seem to be doing wrong and you need prayer about that, we want to pray with you. If you're here and need a church home, we want to invite you to be a part of this. And we're not perfect here, but we're sure a bunch of people that will love you the best way we can, the way Jesus did. But maybe you're here and have never, ever heard the message of Christ and salvation and you're intrigued by it and want to know more. I'd love the opportunity to teach you. Sit down with the Scripture, open the Word of God, open the book, and just share with you what God would want you to do in that, that decision process. If you have a decision, if there's a struggle and you just need some encouragement, why don't you let us be those encouragers today? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. would ask you to stand. Following our prayer, we're going to stand and sing that song. Father, I just ask you to guide these folks this morning. Father, would you be very real to them? Would you be very close to them? And Father, would you provide for them in every possible way? And Lord, would you, would you uh, let them know and reassure them of your love for them? And Father, would you this morning impress in each of our hearts, in each of our lives, the fact that we need you so much. And Father, we need to surrender. We need to surrender and yield to the power of your Spirit, the promptings of your Spirit. We need to continue to say no to sin, say no to Satan. And Father, in doing so, we're being found worthy to be tempted. 
we need to realize how much you love us because we feel the temptations of Satan. You love us enough to allow him to hit us. So, Father, how pleased you are when we take a stand and how encouraged you are and we are when you see us take a stand. So, Father, today may be our stand day. There's someone here, Father, that needs a special touch. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand and sing together. This song, God's moving in you. Why don't you move? I had decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So glad you were here today. We pray our service has been a blessing to you. And uh, we're just going to get get out of here earlier than we normally do. How about that? All of you be excited about that. Jenna, thanks for all the work that you're doing in the back with our kids. And uh, just we appreciate that very much. And lots of teenagers helping. And we can always use more adults back there to help uh, help with that carrying that load of work. And uh, uh, Rodney Klein is uh, leading our uh, teenagers' uh, Sunday school class. And Brian Taylor teaching on Wednesday night. Very capable folks working with our kids, and we're still developing more of our younger children. Shelly is working on Wednesday night with our little guys, and appreciate that very much. So uh, let's, let's keep all that in prayer and keep encouraging people. Amen? All right. We're going to be dismissed with prayer. I think Brother Jack Franklin has a closing prayer. Following that, we'll have a closing song, Trust and Obey, and uh, we're dismissed this morning. Brother Jack.
to trust and obey.